Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on a fantastic weekend in the great state of Texas. Hope that you're getting ready for a nice Mother's Day, spending time with your mother, if you're a mother yourself, enjoying it with your children. I'm going to be making the journey to Houston tomorrow morning to see my mother and my grandmother, Elia. So I'm excited about that. haven't seen my grandmother since Christmas, I think. Uh, My mother, my parents have come to visit a number of times, so we have seen each other. But um, very much looking forward to seeing my grandmother, who my daughter carries her name, Elia. And so that's a special, nice connection in our family that we're always excited about. And so be looking forward to doing that. But a lot's happened this week in the state of Texas, particularly on policy issues. You know, if you've heard the show before, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom. And the arenas that we talk about them are usually related to the courts, the legislature, and the media. Now, our work and the work that I do is primarily focused on legislative public policy work, but we've gotten in a few court cases here and there, and we certainly have done our share of media work and had to address that issue. And and I'm going to mention something that actually happened with the media this week that I found interesting, but uh, we'll get into some more detail. But I mean, the real big news and a lot of attention was on the legislative session this week because the House had their deadline of deadline of bills being passed out of the House to stay alive. That doesn't mean the House doesn't have anything else to do. It's simply a procedural deadline for bills that are in a certain category and at a certain place in time. So if you had a House bill and an issue you were working on and it didn't pass second reading by midnight on Thursday, as we say it over in the Capitol, it's dead, that it can no longer move forward. So that bill either has to get amended onto something else or there has to be a Senate version of that bill that still exists for that issue to still continue to be alive and have a chance to get to the governor's desk. So I spent a lot of time at the Capitol this week, a lot of time. I feel like I uh, kind of was there, stayed there, woke up, got out of bed. I was at the Capitol. Anyway, that's just a part of what we do this time of year. You know, May is the last month of the legislative session. So it's interesting how a lot can happen in a very short amount of time, and people don't always realize that. So because of that, we try to make sure we're there uh, even more so so we can pay attention and not only try to have a role in what happens, but to certainly be eyes and ears because sometimes when things are moving very quickly, people are not paying attention and bad legislation gets passed. And you know that is something that is that keeps you up at night. If you're in the type of work I do at others, you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about bill numbers and who got an amendment on and all this stuff. Because look, at the end of the day, these end up being the laws of our state, at least for the next two years, and they impact people's lives. There's no question about that. But we have a great guest that's joining us today that I'm excited to have on for the first time on the Texas Values Report, as far as I can remember. And so there's been a big issue that's been going on for a number of years in the city of Plano in regards to an ordinance that was passed and some concerns about that. So we're going to get into a little more detail, but Cleve Doty is going to be my guest today on the Texas Values Report. Cleve is a friend of ours who we worked on policy issues with. We worked on legal issues. He's an expert. He's testified at the legislature when it comes to constitutional issues, faith and family issues, a real scholar and someone who's got tremendous experience when it comes to the issue 
of religious liberty. Uh, Cleve got his undergraduate degree from Yale University and his law degree from the University of Chicago, and he was a longtime litigation associate with our friends at First Liberty Institute that's headed up by Kelly Shackelford. Cleve, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Thank you, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here today. Well, it's good to have you. You know, it's always good to have friends on the show that are involved in things that are very important, that are doing them day in and day out, and are on the ground. So I want you to lay out kind of the background of this issue, this lawsuit that's been filed. So up in Plano, Greg and Laura Hatch have filed a lawsuit against the city of Plano for violating the Texas Open Meetings Act based on an ordinance that was passed towards the end of year of 2014. We haven't talked a lot about that on this show um, in the past year or so. We certainly, when it first happened, we covered it a little bit, but it was a very big deal at that time. I went up there for some of those issues, but now fast forward to 2017, there are citizens that are very concerned about how that ordinance was passed and have alleged that some laws were violated in the process. So tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely, uh, and, I, and I appreciate that. Yes, so the, the Hatches filed suit uh, here at the end of April, and, and basically what's happened since 2014 is we've learned a lot more about the ordinance, about how it happened, and all that. Uh, but for, for your show, for the citizens, uh, it just point out that the legislature, the way this came about is the legislature thought that local governments, democracy will function better if local governments have to actually tell you what laws they're passing, and they have to actually hold those deliberations in public so that people can see them. And what we've come to find out is that the city of Plano wanted to pass this very controversial ordinance about sexuality and gender, and it was more convenient for them not to tell the citizens and to keep it out of public view, uh, which violates the Texas Open Meetings Act. They can't hold those deliberations in private and votes in private. Uh, But it turns out, now that we're able to see all the documents and information, that that's exactly what they did. And so we filed a lawsuit to ask the court to overturn or void the ordinance. Well, and as I remember, because I, <laughs> I remember I didn't testify at the hearing. Everyone got short notice of this, but it was um, it's like the first week of December or, you know, second week of December was towards the end of the year. You know, people are getting ready for Christmas. People are taking off work. And all of a sudden there's this ordinance in this hearing that pops up maybe on a Monday. And I remember I couldn't get up there in time. I was watching it from... Uh, from my bedroom in my home online, and I saw Jeff Mateer testify against this ordinance, who's now the first attorney, gen- first assistant attorney general for the state of Texas under General Ken Paxton. Cassie Doolin, who was at First Liberty, testified, and the, and the whole room was packed of people because they were adding the um, sexual orientation and gender identity to a current existing ordinance that related to so-called discrimination issues. And at the time, the testimony, you didn't hear any evidence of that. So you had already an issue that I feel like the city knew was going to be controversial. You had the transgender issue come up in relation to this. And so all of these things coming together that it appeared there was a lot of concern and discomfort about. And it seemed like there was this concern about the timing. And so my impression was that the city did not want the citizens to really know what the ordinance was and what it would do, and certainly didn't want them to really be so much aware that they could be a part of the process. And so what it sounds like I'm seeing from this lawsuit is that they're, they're, they're allega- your allegations are that they did violate some the Texas Open Meetings Act in some areas of law that are designed 
to allow the community to be aware of these things so they can engage, which doesn't appear like the Plano people wanted them to do because they likely knew that if the people knew what was going on, they've had a harder time passing this ordinance. That's absolutely correct, Jonathan. In fact, man, there's just so much truth in what you've just, what you've just said there. Um, and so, for instance, this, this ordinance was a huge change for Plano. Not only did it add these categories, but for the first time, it set up this uh, system of criminal fines and prosecutions where citizens are informing on one another in city halls, telling people what to believe. All of that was new, and all of that was very controversial. And, uh, and you, your memory is exactly correct. It, it happened, basically notice went out over the weekend for a Monday meeting, so most people didn't hear about it until 24 hours ahead of time or less. They heard about it the day of, and for instance, I was on a plane to Chicago that day, I believe, and so I, I wasn't at the meeting either. But if you watched the meeting, you got the sense that this was really just a foregone conclusion. city had already decided what to do, and, and the city council already knew where they stood, what they were doing. They were reading from these pre-drafted talking points for most of the meeting. I mean, it was already set and ready to go, and it turns out that that's exactly what had happened. They had actually decided in advance in private meetings what they were going to do, communicated with each other. Uh, we even have one council member talking about how they'd already voted upon the ordinance. Um, in private communications, he was saying that before there was even a meeting, a public meeting. So the hearing was really just to, or the public meeting was really just to announce the show, result, basically. Yeah, for them just to come to out announce, and say, right, yeah. roll out the result. Yeah, we, we've already figured this out, so we want you to know about it, but that's all you're really entitled to, which really suggests a lot of contempt is probably the nicest way I can say it for citizens. And in the release that you put out, there were some documents that you were able to come across that talk about this where city officials were viewing some contempt. And I think that was, a, that was probably a nice way you put that. You were being gracious about it. But in regards to the mayor of Plano, some things that he said about citizens and some things that uh, that came up from the former mayor, some very ugly words that were used on this matter. And, you know, look, these people run for office. They are for the people, if you will. They're supposed to be representing the people. That's who they're accountable to. And the way it's supposed to work, the reason, I mean, that's the name of the law, right? The Texas Open Meetings Act. So if you have them meeting behind closed doors and vote and come up with a decision, it's not an open meeting. I mean, and I'm being, I'm not trying to be silly about it, but I mean, as a lawyer, you know, you can't, that, that word doesn't, it's hard to work around what that's supposed to mean. I think it's pretty clear. And it seems that I think there is some pretty good evidence of a violation on this type of issue that got a lot of people upset in the city of Plano. Um, what has been the so the lawsuit was filed um, last month? What where where is it now, and what do you see happening moving forward? So the city hasn't hasn't reached the deadline to respond yet. So we've filed it in Collin County District Court. Uh, we're awaiting the city's response, and we'll just have to wait and see how they respond. I mean, they could try to address this on the merits and let's go to the court and get a decision or they could try to fight it in appeals and meritless motions for years so we'll, we'll wait to see what they do um, I'm hopeful that we can get to the courts and get a decision on this no I would agree with you we're talking with Cleve Doty Texas lawyer who is filed who filed a lawsuit on behalf of Greg and Laura Hatch who are residents of the city of Plano the city of Plano is a suburb of Dallas for our Central Texas audience, and but we certainly have a lot of people listening online. But a very big 
conservative, you will, you know, by some people's estimation and description, conservative community that's a suburb of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Collin County, one of the one of the biggest counties and fastest growing counties in the state of Texas. But a lot of people out there that care about issues of faith and family that do not agree with these ordinances, which is at the heart of this lawsuit, if you will, or that's the backdrop of it, um, this ordinance that was passed that wanted to add sexuality language and gender language to change uh, laws at the local level that do not exist at the state level nor at the federal level. And I want to mention some other point, too, and see what you think about this. Another problem that I think is highlighted with this lawsuit is that when it comes to these issues of sexuality, gender identity, transgender, there is a pattern of local government not handling these issues well. We saw it in Fort Worth. We saw it in Houston, San Antonio. Every time they bring these things up locally, we saw it in Mesquite. The lawyers and a lot of the people that are involved with the councils, they don't know the law that well. They misstate things, and they seem to be so overly concerned about the backlash and the controversy that they do things behind the scenes, which is what happened in Fort Worth. They did it behind the scenes and said, oh, we don't have to vote on it. We don't have to tell you what we did or or how we got there. Here's what it is. And so there's all of this secrecy going on, which is just more evidence that the local cities and municipalities should not be handling these issues. And I'm not asking you to get into a legislative argument, but I mean, that's been part of our argument is having consistent law across the state is a benefit to everyone because we just see more and more evidence of these local municipalities making a mess of these issues. Well, I, I'll limit my comments to Plano, of course, but yes. uh, I, I actually want to agree with one of the things you've said about the ordinance that uh, really stands out here in Plano, which is, I mean, you mentioned there's no evidence of a need for this. Plano, folks here go on pretty well. So that's one of the many reasons why this is disappointing. Disappointing. It brought in all of this divisiveness to the community when in the years since this ordinance has passed, we've seen no significant complaints, no prosecutions. There's, there hasn't really been any need for the ordinance as far as what the ordinance purports to protect and to do, um, and because folks generally get along well with each other. They work things out with one another. Uh, the, the ordinance is really, it appears to be much more political uh, in nature than it is legal. Uh, because you don't see it resolving any real legal disputes and issues here in Plano. It was more of a political statement for the public or for whomever uh, and by these politicians. But then if there is a prosecution, yes, I'd have real concerns that it, it would become a political issue more than anything. Well, and I think, you know, look, I, good for you. Thank, thank you for stepping in and getting to this point and representing folks in Plano that have a legitimate concern about this issue. We know when it comes to these type of issues, though, fighting this battle on the legal front is not easy. It's time-consuming. Like you said, it could go on for a number of years. To me, it's just more evidence of when you see local cities get involved in these issues that as a result of that, there are lawsuits. And you can imagine if you start seeing more and more of these around the state, how cumbersome that can be. And then look, if the city loses on this, which I mean, I know that's your position, you've got a strong legal position, they could be in a situation where that costs um, cost taxpayer dollars, because they have had to come be held accountable for these issues when they should have never got involved in this in the first place, or when they did, they should have done it the right way. So there is a consequence 
when the city makes bad decisions based on these and they get held accountable in court. And I think that, you know, kudos to you for doing it, but it also shows how irresponsible, I think, and reckless these city officials are being with city funds and time. I, I couldn't agree more with you there. I mean, it's it's really unfortunate. It's unfortunate for taxpayers. That's one of the real one of the many reasons why we'd like to see a quick outcome here. We'd like to get into court, have a decision on the merits, and proceed so that it doesn't take as much time and as much effort. Um, but the city, for political or other reasons, could decide to push push it out and uh, spend more taxpayer time and money on it. I hope they won't, but we're waiting to see what they'll do. Well, look, the principal that you're fighting for has tremendous value. Uh, You know, we were up there when some of that stuff happened. I know that the community is motivated by this issue. And whether it's one issue or the other, when you deal with issues like the Texas Open Meetings Act, the right of people to know ahead of time what is going to happen at a city council meeting and what they should expect, the fact that everyone has to play by the same rules, regardless of what the issue is, is so important. And, you know, the, you know, this can end up being a situation where citizens just feel demoralized and feel like they have no voice. But you've stepped in the void with these citizens to be the voice for them. And there are many reasons why we're hoping you have success on the issue. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Jonathan. We, we love doing it. I appreciate it. Well, great. Well, we're going to continue to check in with Cleve. Cleve, thanks for being our guest today on the Texas Values Report. And we'll have you back for an update soon, okay? Absolutely. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for keeping up the fight. You bet it, brother. Well, that's good to have insight. You know, that's a reminder of what's going on at the local level. You see us fighting on these legislative and policy issues at the state level, but there's a local aspect to this. I mean, we don't make these things up, you know, as a result of a bad ordinance on sexuality and gender in Plano. Now there's a lawsuit on it. And it, you know, I'm sure some of the issues that we're concerned about relates to the substance of it. But you can tell it was the substance, or it appears that the substance had something to do with the allegations that the city didn't follow the Open Meetings Act, that they didn't want to be transparent on this type of issue because they probably expected there was going to be some disagreement. It was going to draw some negative attention. So, oh, let's just do it here behind closed doors, you know, and then we'll just tell people what happens and then maybe that will eliminate any type of controversy when what that does is cause more controversy. And, you know, look, if these issues are so controversial that elected officials are thinking they don't, you know, they've got to avoid following the law in order to address them, they must not have that much support. And so it it just, to me, is more evidence of why when these issues are handled by local elected officials, more times than not, they're not handled well, and it's just causing more problems. It's relating to violation of law. The issue in Houston was back and forth in court for over two years. There was a trial. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So you think about all the lawyers, the time, the money that was spent, wasted, if you will, on these type of matters. But like Cleve said, there's a really good reason that these that people get you know have counsel, have representation and are held accountable, elected officials are on these issues. Otherwise, they'll just continue to do it. They'll do it in other places. And so maybe this is a lawsuit that moving forward, if it's successful, sends a message and a continued message to local government 
that they should not be getting involved in these type of issues. And I think a lot of times it's a surprise to people too. Like, why are they getting involved in this? What this is a local, you know, our our city is getting involved in these type of things that are usually debated at the state and, and federal level. Nonetheless, let me jump in on what happened at the Capitol this week before I forget. It's great to have Cleveland. That's a great connection to the legislative work that we're doing. So this week, the um, House reached their deadline, two important deadlines, really three or four. But uh, on Monday was the deadline for bills to come out of committees to be considered to get a vote on the House floor. And then Thursday was the deadline for bills to be passed by the House on second reading. And that's the first initial vote. And then they have a vote after that the day after that's called third reading. But nonetheless, so I was at the Capitol till just a little after midnight on Thursday. And, you know, it was late. There was some, some drama, some theater. One of the things that I'm encouraged by was a couple of bills that did not end up getting passed, House Bill 225 and House Bill 192, very aggressive pieces of legislation that put the words sexual orientation and gender identity together in our state law for the first time. So we were able to defeat that legislation and be a part of it not moving forward. I'm thankful for that. I was really concerned that it actually moved out of committee and it was one step away from getting a full House vote. Don't get me wrong. That And we testified. I testified against this legislation at the Capitol. And it was one Republican who teamed up with Democrats. His name is Jason Vialva. He's from the Dallas-Fort Worth area that allowed this issue to move, these two bills to move forward. One of them, House Bill 192, alters the religious exemption language as it relates to housing and occupancy issues and says that you can't interfere with someone who wants to occupy or live in some residence or housing or some building, even for private property, even for religious purposes, even as it relates to churches. So right now, there's an exemption for religious organizations and churches that base their membership on their faith beliefs, as long as they don't do anything that relates to someone's race or color or national origin, if they base it on their beliefs regarding sexuality, regarding uh, the fact that, like, the Catholic Church says men will be priests, women will be nuns, those type of rules that they have. The current law says that they can't be treated and punished for those type of beliefs. It's that's a basis for membership. They changed that law. Excuse me, the bill would have changed that law, House Bill 192, that would have included a new category that says, yeah, you can do things based on your beliefs as a church and for membership unless it relates to the classification and category of sex, sexual orientation, or gender identity and expression. What? So the Catholic Church or the you know, Baptist Church, whoever, if their faith says that we're going to have a residence just for men or just for women. And someone could come in and say, well, you're interfering with my ability to occupy this space or to live here based on my gender identity or my sex. You've now got to claim this law, this bill that was proposed would make it a class A misdemeanor. You could end up in jail for a year or get a fine of $4,000 
If you had, for instance, a group of nuns at a convent that said only women will live at our convent, and you have a man born as a man who thinks he's a woman and says, no, I want to be a nun, and I want to live at this convent, and they're like, whoa, no, that's, that's not what our faith teaches. You can't tell us what to do on that issue. The government can't restrict us. Oh, under House Bill 192, they sure could have. So that bill was stopped based on our efforts. So was House Bill 225, which relates to employment decisions. Don't get me started on that issue. Don't we know about that issue already? About employees asking to go to one bathroom or the other? That's what this bill was about, was about the privileges um, for employment decisions and and employment status and saying that if that employers couldn't make decisions based on gender identity and sexual orientation. That means someone could say, look, I want to use the women's bathroom, even though I was born a man, I believe that I'm a woman. They tried to tell us a committee, oh, that's not what that bill was about. I mean, read the bill. The language is about employment issues and it is about privileges as an employee. Last time I checked, when you go to work, part of your, your employment day is that you have the privilege, if you want to call it that, the right to go to the bathroom. So on that private property, even though they you know might not have public bathrooms. So the other thing, though, good news, House Bill 3859 did move forward. That bill relates to adoption and foster care agencies, child welfare agencies having conscience protection. So the government can't um, punish them for their religious beliefs as a child welfare service provider. So very encouraged by that. Disappointed that House Bill 1813, the county clerk bill, that allows for recusals and deferrals on these type of decisions of marriage licenses and ceremonies, but, but sets up a mechanism to make sure that those marriage licenses will be issued and ceremonies will be covered by somebody else. That bill did not make it out of committee. There is a Senate companion, Senate Bill 522, that is still alive that could move. you got to go to our website, txvalues.org, though, to follow all this stuff. Too much to cover on one show. txvalues.org is our website. You can make a donation today, too, to our nonprofit work at txvalues.org. Hey, that's it for this week's show. But look, before I forget, you know, I don't know if my mom listens to this show. I don't know if I've ever asked her since she lives in the... Houston area. Um, She doesn't always listen to a lot of stuff online. But mom, if you're listening, Denise, I love you. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. And spend time with your mother this weekend if you can. Or give her a call. Send her a note. Let her know how much you care about her. And um, if you're a mother yourself, thank you for all that you do. God bless you. And we'll see you next week. 